uh, praying about how to preach on prayer. I mean, that's kind of a weird thing to say, I guess. But um, And prayer is one of those things that it's simple, but it's so complicated. And it's so mysterious, but it's so easy. You know, it's, it's one of those things. So how do, you, how do you preach? How do you instruct? How do you teach? How do you bring the rubber meets the road kind of moment to prayer and whatever? And so I've been, I was really kind of struggling where to go with this, this sermon and how to approach it and, and make it where it was functional but not just whatever. So, um, so hopefully today as, as we're going there, we'll get there. And then, and then I've got, we've actually got a testimony of how it has actually affected somebody's life. Uh, so I'm thinking that's going to really bring it to the end. So, so if you're just sitting there and I'm, I'm preaching, you're like, you know what? I know this. I understand this. Then you've got it. Okay, great. Hallelujah. Just don't get too bored with me, okay? Uh, if, if you're sitting there and you're like, hey, maybe this is something new or maybe, maybe it's something I've heard but I'm not really sure how to do it, Hold it to the end, you know, hold your stuff at the end because at the end we're going to have an example of how it works. So maybe it can help with that as well. So um, it's called praying together. So Jesus said, if two of you will agree and ask in my name anything, my Father in heaven will answer it and he will give it. Right? So, you know, says also where two or three are gathered in my name I will be there right but in prayer specifically says where two agree and so I've been thinking about that prayer of unity so like a husband and a wife when they pray together that's how many uh, it's actually one so the two shall become one and so I was like, uh, okay, you know, sometimes as husband and wife, we will pray on things in agreement, in prayer of agreement. I, th- I think we can pray for our family in agreement, but I think sometimes it has to go beyond that. We have to get to a place of an ability to have someone else, some others, to get into the prayer with us. And so um, I've, been, I've been studying on how, how come sometimes our prayers don't get answered. And I think a lot of the time our prayers aren't answered because we're not vulnerable enough to ask for prayer. We're just not vulnerable enough to ask for prayer. Uh, one of the things that I teach my kids is the, the men, the boys especially, right, is one of the aspects of manhood is courage, right? And courage is the ability to lead with an open heart, which is a vulnerability to actually ask for things and do stuff in a vulnerable state. That's really courage, to be vulnerable. And lots of times in our lives, we don't pray enough vulnerable. We, we kind of give a prayer request. like It's almost like an unspoken prayer request. You know, have you ever had that where somebody says, hey, prayer request, and somebody says, I have an unspoken prayer request, right? And you're like, well, how can I pray over an unspoken? And they're like, well, me and God know. Well, yeah, but there's no two degreeing on this thing. And so it's kind of, there's no vulnerability in that. And then, so how do you be vulnerable? And how do you ask for prayer in a situation that it's kind of scary to open up and say, this is what I want to be prayed for. This is what I need so that somebody else can agree with you in prayer. And so I think sometimes we think we're all by ourselves, that we're alone. We're the only one that has this thing going on in our life. So when we were down at UTC with Braden for orientation this week, one of the things they kept saying is, you're not alone. I were telling the kids, you're not alone. 
You know, if you'll get together with other people, not everybody's got their life straightened out. Not everybody's got the answers. They may look like they got their life straightened out, but you're not alone. They kept telling us parents, you're not alone. You, you have no clue what your kids are going to do. You have no kids what's going on. You're, you're scared. You're excited. You know, you're not alone. There's other people that have that. And I want to tell you today, the devil has robbed us of our ability to be vulnerable in asking for prayer because we think we're alone. We're the only ones that have this problem. We're the only ones that are in this situation. We look at everybody else and like, they've got their life so together. It's so remarkable how their lives are together. If they found out what I need vulnerability and what I need in prayer, they would look down on me. And I want you to know, you're not alone. Everybody is just as screwed up as you are. Everybody is just as confused about life as you are. Everybody is just as much messed up with their thoughts and their thing as you are. And so when you think, I'm alone, I'm the only one that's got this going on, you're not. Everybody else around you has it. They just have a good mask that you don't get to see inside of them. And if we would just be vulnerable as Christians sometimes and just open up and ask one other person to pray with us on this situation, then we could have what we ask, right? Because that's what it says, where two of you agree on anything and ask in my name, you will have it. And I think that's some of our power we have lost as American Christians because we are not vulnerable to ask for what we really need so that we can get an agreement. We're like, well, I can pray to God. Yes, you can pray to God. But it doesn't say where one comes together to the Father in agreement, he will answer your prayer. Jesus said, where two. And I think sometimes we're like, well, me and my wife will pray for that. Well, that's great, but we are now one flesh, right? It says the two shall become one. So how does that count into it? Maybe we need to go outside of our marriage sometime to ask other people to agree in prayer with us over our kids or whatever else is going on, right? And so I want to kind of talk about this prayer of unity. So let's go to Acts chapter 2. And there is something that this week, as I was actually thinking about this and putting this together with this in prayer, I, I, I realized there's a, a thought I had that I don't think it's very scriptural. And I've kind of based some of my thought on this. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. See that? Acts chapter 2, verse 1. We use this scripture all the time. So let me ask you, what were they in one accord about? What was their one accord? Give me some feedback. What do you think? What do you think their one accord is? Waiting for Christ? What? Fearful, okay. What was somebody else said something? Yeah, so he, they were waiting, waiting. They were all waiting for what God had said he would have. Jesus would say, okay. What else? What do you think? What were they one accord of? Expect it, okay. What do you think they were one accord of? Somebody hadn't talked from this level. Come on, huh? In prayer, okay. They were praying in one accord, okay. So, praying in Faith, okay. Faith, okay. So, do you notice the spectrum we had of what one accord was? It was all over, from fearful to faith to they were waiting expectantly or whatever. Um, I guess for me personally, I've always thought, well, they were there because they were just so in tune with God. Just so in tune with God. They just, you know, and that's the reason, you know, 
You know, that's the reason the American church isn't as powerful as they were in Acts chapter 2 because we're just not in one accord. We're not in one unity. We're not, we're not doing what we need to do. We're not all thinking the same thing. We're not in harmony with one another. But I got to realize that that's post-Holy Spirit movement that the disciples were. This was pre-Holy Spirit baptism. In Luke chapter 19, let's go there real quick. No, not Luke 19. What was I thinking? John. Sorry, wrong book. Yeah. No, we're not. <laughs> we're going to 20. Verse 19. I knew there was 19 in there some way. I... I had it all screwed up. John chapter 20, verse 19. There's where my 19 came in. Yeah, some people try to do this without notes. Come on now. So, okay, so John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, the same day at the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for, what was that next word? Fear of the Jews. What if they were all in one accord just because they were scared? Is that still being one accord? What if they were all in one accord? Because in, in Mark, it talks about how they were excited about Jesus being rescinded. What if they were all in one accord of just expectation, like maybe Chris said, right? Or, or faith or whatever. You know? But what if they were just all in one accord because they were just like, we're the only ones left. It's us and us. We're, we're, we're it. We're you know, what else are we going to do? That's what Peter told Jesus. He said, are y'all going to, you going to betray me? Or are you going to be gone from me? Are you going to leave me? And Peter was like, no, where else would we go? You're, you're it. And so what if their one accord was, we ain't got nothing else to do. You know, we ain't got nowhere else to be. I mean, I've always put a lot of faith in the disciples in that, that 40 days and 50 days before the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit come. Man, they were just so praying and they were supplicating. And because it says they were all praying and supplicating in there. But, you, you know, what if they were just like we are? Like, what, what are we going to do? Our world is falling apart. There's some fear. There's some scared. There's some, I have no idea what's going to happen next. Uh, who's in charge of this mess? Jesus has now ascended, and we're still sitting here doing in this upper room. Who's going to go to the bathroom? Who's not going to go to the bathroom? You know, what, you know, what is their one accord? What if it was just the fact that they just said, you know what, we're going to be vulnerable and we're going to be open with one another and we got no place else to go. What happens when we're in one accord, whether it's bad accord or good accord? Does it have to be a faith accord? You know, like, you know, oh, we're all in one faith. No, what happens if you're all one doubt? Yeah. See, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we think these disciples had their act together. But if you read in the book, Peter was a big mouth that just shot off his mouth and said stuff that was all wrong. Thomas was doubting most of the time, right? John was just being lazy and just leaning against Jesus and loving on Jesus. He didn't really want to do anything, it doesn't seem like. He's just kind of a lazy guy, right? 
You know, you, you might have Matthew that nobody liked because he was a tax collector. You know, you have all these guys that have all this stuff going on in their lives, and but yet they got in one accord, They began, I believe they got vulnerable with one another and like we have no place else to go except to wait right here in one place. And we don't have any clue what's going on. And then the prayer and supplication and all that stuff, then the Holy Spirit came and moved like a mighty rushing wind. And then there was boldness to preach. And then they had all this faith and all these signs and wonders and stuff going on. But it started with a prayer in one accord that we don't really know what it was. We really don't know what that one accord was. So how do we get in one accord? Is when two of us agree on anything in prayer. And we ask the Father in Jesus' name, and he will answer it. Our scripture for this, this time is, Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall knock, and it shall be open to you. Right? So, what are we missing? I think sometimes we're missing the vulnerability. We're missing the vulnerability of asking somebody to come into our lives and us sharing what we need in prayer because we're scared that they will think we're without faith or that we're scared that they will see our mess and our screw-ups. But you know what? We are not alone. Everybody has those thoughts. Everybody has those things. Everybody has those places in life where they have no clue what's the next step, what's the next problem but we need people to come in and pray and ask and seek and knock so that the Father will open it up to us in our vulnerability. Who is the worst person to teach to? If I was going to teach to somebody, who is the worst person to teach to? A know-it-all. A know-it-all. Somebody that has every answer is that the easiest person to teach? Have you ever been at work and trying to train somebody and every time you start to say, hey, you know, do this, and they're like, yeah, I know that. And then they go off and they do what? What you didn't teach them to do, right? Because they didn't know it all, right? And sometimes we run around as Christians saying, we know it all, we've got faith, woohoo, when we have no clue what the next step is, what's going to happen, where are we at? And so the vulnerability of being a Christian to step up and say, I have no clue, I have no thought, I have fear in this situation, like the disciples did. They were fearing the Jews hanging out in this room. They have no idea what's going to happen to them next. Just vulnerable in one accord, praying, God, we need you now. That's the prayer that was answered. And then the boldness came, the signs and wonders came, and the revival and all those things happened where they added to the church and everything just blew because they just understood what it's like. I can't imagine traveling with 12 guys for three years, doing everything together, and not somehow being vulnerable, not knowing the weaknesses, right? You know, when you first get married, anybody first married, they can do no wrong the first couple of months, first year, maybe. I don't know, the honeymoon period. And then you get to know them, and you tell, find out that they're screwed up, that they've got issues. They don't squeeze the, to the toothpaste correctly. They don't roll the toilet paper the right way. They don't pick their underwear up off the floor. They cook the wrong food every day. They don't put the dishwasher together right. They don't, you know, you know what I'm saying? You start to find what they are, right? 
And only in marriage, as you're vulnerable with one another and talk those things out, does it get taken care of. If you don't talk it out, what happens? It just starts to fester and bitterness and all that unforgiveness starts to root into it and things happen, right? Same thing, I think, with the disciples. I think for three years, they were showing a good face for Jesus. Because, you know, they used to fight. You know, who's going to sit on his right hand? Who's going to sit on his left hand? Hey, that's going to be... And then at this moment, Jesus is left, and they're looking at each other, and they're like, you know what? I, I, I have no clue. Peter stands up and says, you know what? I think we need to get a new guy in here. Let's cast lots. And so they cast lots, and they get Matthias to be the next disciple. And then Jesus comes along and chooses Paul. Never hear from Matthias again, right? You're just like, you know... You know, they didn't even make good decisions in that one room in one accord, but they were just like, hey, we're together, we're going to do something, right? And so what are you going to be vulnerable with? Who are you going to get to pray? Now, I'm not asking you to be vulnerable with everybody in your prayer, okay? I'm not asking you to get up in front of church and open up to your deepest, darkest secrets of sin that you're still dealing with and say, I need you to pray for me. Because, listen, in that kind of prayer, it can damage you. What I'm saying is you have to be vulnerable with at least one or two people to get agreement in prayer for it to get answered. And then after it is answered, it becomes the word of your testimony. Then you can share it because you're on the other side of what you overcame. I think that's why when Luke wrote this, he says, in one accord, because he's like, if I told you how messed up the disciples were back then, you would think there's no way that they should have ended up where they were. So I'm going to just say one accord. And then you get to see all the signs and wonders they did after that. So then you know how God moved into their life. And I think the same thing for you is when you're in a place of struggle and a place of fear and a place of I have no clue what to go next, being vulnerable with one or two people that you know you can trust to pray and not judge, to pray actually opens up the heavens for us to ask, seek, and knock and have it happen, and then once you are secure and you know God has brought you deliverance, then you can speak it as a word of your testimony for others to hear so that they can be vulnerable with somebody else to get prayer and get it taken care of. And I think that's how we overcome through the word of our testimony. But I think if you get up and you give, and I'll give you a prime example. (laughs) We uh, We had somebody in our church, now they've passed away, and they were trying to get their husband saved. So their prayer request was, help me get my husband saved. That was their prayer request. And they held it to just a few people praying for their husband to get prayer. And their husband showed up to church one Sunday. And I asked, do we have any prayer requests? And she raised her hand and she said, I need you to pray for my husband because he's not saved and he's in church today. You know how many times he showed back up in church? Zero, right? Why? Because she took a vulnerable moment of prayer and she opened it up to the public and it caused it to be cut down, right? So that's what I'm saying. Don't be vulnerable with everybody in the innermost appropriate time. Be vulnerable at the appropriate time with the appropriate people for prayer so that you can get the agreement. So when you ask and you seek and you knock, because sometimes, guys, guess what? Prayer requests don't get answered today. You have to live a long time in that prayer request to get it to answer, right? It may take years. And so if you open it up and you're vulnerable for five years, ten years, that you can be taking stabs and stuff during that time, it affects you. 
So don't be vulnerable with everybody. Keep it closed to a nice network that you can get prayed for. And then when it's answered, you can say, hey, for the last 50 years, I've been praying for this, and now it has happened. Right? And that's how you get in one accord and sink in that. So I'm going to ask the person to come up. So uh, I'm going to use, uh, I'll use Chris's mic. Is that okay, Brian? Brian's not back there. Okay. Make sure Chris's mic's up and open. So Denise, she's going to get up and give a testimony. And she's going to share whatever she wants to share about something God had done in her life. And so go ahead. You've got the floor. Okay, so 23 years ago, something happened with me in my life. Uh, the husband I was with at the time, controlling relationship, we went down a path of life that was no good, a darkness, destruction in our life, in our marriage, and everything. Um, I moved up here. I started working and everything, and 10 years ago, I had something. I had lost a job. I thought my world was falling apart. thought, what am I going to do? I was going to this church, and I decided that I would come and talk to Tony Lee and Rebecca. I was very scared. I had a lot of fear because in the past, other churches, other pastors that I would go to and talk to them about things, they kicked me out of their church. They judged me. I was scared. I was scared. I did not want to go talk to them because I was afraid they were going to judge me. I was going to get kicked out of the church and everything like that. I was, Rodney and I had only been in a relationship for just a few months at that time. And I had talked to him about it, and he said, I'll go with you. So we called them up. We went to their house, and two people, as he said, you only talk to so many people. You cannot tell everybody, because if you tell everybody, then they, you'll have people judging you. You'll have things coming against you. The enemy's going to come against you no matter what. Um, so Tony Lee and Rebecca, I went to their house. We sat on their couch, and we talked to them 10 years ago. And it's probably 10 years ago, actually, this month, because I had lost my job, a job that I absolutely loved and then it took me about four to six weeks, and I'm at the job that I'm at now. I almost lost that job two, two times. Again, Tony and Rebecca, they're continuing to pray for me. They're continuing to lift me up. And I also talked to his mom, Miss Doris, of course, you know, the one that prays for you and makes you cry. So um, talk to her. So that was three people, three people in this church that have 100% backed me up, 100% prayed for me, that I know I can go to them and talk to them. And also, the other one was Miss Lynn. Talked to her, told her my story, told her everything that I've been through. And those four have prayed for me and been with me for everything. And we've, I've, about a year and a, a year ago, a year ago, April, the Lord had made a big breakthrough with me, has lifted up so much off my life, I was living in fear for so many years. Even with them praying for me and everything that I went through, years that I went through this for 10, year, uh, 10 years of a fear that I had, God had lifted it up. There's so many things that I was just having to deal with and couldn't do, but having people pray for me and stand with me. I am now not alone. I don't feel alone. I felt so lonely and so in the the in like 20 years ago when all that was going on I felt so lonely and so scared to even talk to anybody about anything I was at a church with my best friend and people were saying things or oh you're such a good person and my side of myself I was thinking if you only knew you don't know me I'm not a good person I was not worthy of anything and you know when I came here and then just the love of the church here the love of the people the love of Tony Lee, Rebecca Doris and Lynn and everybody that had backed me up and prayed for me it made me feel great. Um, God 
had put them in my life for a reason. And again, like he said, when you have something deep, something that you need, that you're in fear of, you can go to people and you can go to Tony, Rebecca, Lynn, Doris. You can go to them. You can come to me. It's not going to go anywhere. You talk to us. We'll pray for you, whatever you need. But don't feel lonely. Don't feel like you can't do it. Don't feel like you're not worthy. I was there. I was there for 10 years. 10 years I was there. And now, you know, Tony Lee had talked to me last night about doing this, and I thought about it, and I'm like, well, I don't know about this. But the more I thought about this, the more the things I realized that God has actually lifted off of me a year ago, and I didn't even know all of it, you know? And it's just, so if you have anything, please don't feel like you can't go to somebody, but don't go to everybody. It's some, some things you can't go to everybody about. You have to have like your little small circle that you can trust, that you know they're not going to judge you. They're not going to condemn you. They're going to build you up and pray for you daily. And that's, that's where I was 10 years ago, sitting on their couch and in such fear, scared that they were going to tell me, why are you coming to me? <laughs> you know, you're not worthy. You have to leave our church. You can't be there. And that didn't happen. So Find someone that you can go to that will lift you up and pray for you and be there for you. So, when it comes down to it, your fear is just Satan trying to stop you from getting free. But like she said, ten, nine years ago, you got free. This is the tenth year of freedom, right? And this last year, as you were saying, you was talking about it, there were things that just got put in your mind, like, I've been free from this, I'm free from this, I'm free from this, I'm free from this. And now she's just like, wow, how God has done something. But it took nine years of prayer to get the freedom, and now one year later of looking at it, it has, it has it's given her a new life. That she doesn't even know the old way. She doesn't even recognize the old way, right? And so in your life, there are things that, you have been seeking. There's things that you need. There's things that you think you're alone in. That you're not alone. You just need somebody to gather together with you to pray and to ask and to seek and to knock. And it may take nine years for it. And it may look impossible. And it may look like it's never going to happen. But God's gave us a promise or two agree and ask in my name of the Father, He will give it. So what is it that you haven't asked for, that you haven't been vulnerable with to get the other people to go and pray for you? Denise is a testimony, a living testimony, a walking testimony of what God can do when you get out of the fear and put something together with somebody else and be vulnerable and have the courage to do that and have life do. So I'm going to ask the band to come on up. And I'm going to ask... I'm going to ask you to bow your heads.